film raiser and once again i am joined by name mcbride and aaron kenny we're gonna go around the room fellas start with you aaron before we get going boys it's the year of the beer what are we drinking tonight okay so i've got two drinks with me tonight for this whale of a division we got here uh starting off easy you got a little bud light here we go and then once we get really rolling into the uh, the ugly part of this division, I think I'm breaking out the Buffalo Trace. Ooh, off off brand hard stuff. I love it. Off brand for the beerly part. On brand for getting fucked up. Nate, what are we drinking on over there? Oh, you know, you know what I'm sipping on. You crackheads. I'm rolling with that rolling rock. I would say crackheads like rolling rocks. So that makes sense. I'm having a Molson Canadian myself in honor of the Battle of Alberta because tonight, guys, we are a fucking crackhead. Yeah, dude, we are previewing the the fourth and final division, the Pacific Division. Um, it has it has probably the best rivalry in hockey in it, which is great. They met in the playoffs last year, and we're going to start off with last year's Pacific Coast Pacific Division winner. Sorry, the Calgary Flames they had 111 points last year. But holy fuck, this is a very different-looking roster than it was last year. Aaron, let the people know. Who plays for the Calgary Flames now? Well, uh, we got some big names coming in here. We got Jonathan Huberdeau, who had just a beauty of a season last year in Florida offensively. Racked Mm -hmm. up what feels like 5 million assists. Uh, He also brings his buddy Mackenzie Weger over to shore up the back end, a uh, huge return for the Calgary Flames after sending Matthew Kachuk down south. Uh, they were not done after that, though, boys. They bring in Nazem Kadri, huge piece of the Avs Stanley Cup run. And then bringing up the back end, we got Kevin Rooney, Sonny Milano, Cody Eakin. Not a lot to write home about there except for Cody Eakin's flow, which is looking gnarly against that Red Flames jersey. I don't know if you guys have seen the pictures floating around, but that's a beauty of a look right there. I agree. But I'd love to see it. No, I agree. Um, Yeah, John – oh, sorry, what were you saying? I think Nate just wants to check out Cody Eakin's hair. Yeah, I'm going to find it right now. Do it. Do it. Yeah, uh, the additions of this team are nuts, man. Yeah, they went. Yeah, they went the fuck off this year in the off season. Um, I mean, they kind of had to. They really had no choice but to go all the way fucking out. Wild the you, swings too, because things were looking abysmal there at first. Johnny Gaudreau leaves him at the fucking altar after they offer him way more money than Columbus did to stay. Uh, the eleventh hour, he goes, "No, sorry, boys, I'm heading out," and then. Suddenly, Matthew Kachuk is in question because he's in he's RFA up for a new contract, and they're like, "Can we keep you? Can we not?" He's like, "I don't think so." They're like, "All right, we better ship you out now and get something for you." And boy, did they! Yeah, Uber now is almost a point per game player in his career: six hundred thirteen points in six hundred seventy one games, and eighty five apples last year, one hundred fifteen points. They're getting, I mean. They lose Johnny Goudreau, but they're getting another star in, in Jonathan Uberdow. Absolutely. He doesn't really quite bring the goal scoring that Johnny did, but he has plenty of playmaking ability. Um, he, he's a guy who I always feel like kind of flies under the radar because down in Florida, not a huge market. 
Uh, he's always put up some decent numbers, but last season was far and away a career high. He oh. goes off for 85 points, uh, dwarfing the 41, 55, 62, 42, the, the train of kind of middle area scoring that we saw before. So was that an aberration, or is he going to be able to replicate that now in Calgary? Yeah, that's that's the million dollar question. Um, when it comes to the subtractions, obviously we mentioned it, but Johnny Goudreau, guys, um, would you say that Goudreau Panarin, the Calgary Flames? I would have to say so. That that kind of brought back some bad memories when I saw that whole thing going down until he decided to come here, because he felt real good. He acted like he he loved Calgary. He loved the city, but the. The Flames fans are so, so angry about his choice because everyone's like, oh, he wants to go play close to home. And then he signs in Columbus, and they're like, well, that's not close to home. Well, it's a hell of a lot closer than being all the way across the country and across the border, having to go through customs every time you want to see your parents or they want to see their grandkids. Yeah. And it's it's really not that – it's a, a few-hour drive to get to the East Coast from here. So yeah. He – I mean, he said he didn't want a to drive. Any kind of He's contract. not driving. He hops on that PJ, son. But now with all this <laughs> money, he is. Hell yeah. But yeah, I mean, he last year, he didn't want to talk about contract negotiations during the season, which is totally understandable. And I mean, with if he was dealing with all that, who knows if he had the season that he had. And then, you know, things start to pick up. Kind of sounds like he's going to stay out of the blue, man. He just decides, you know what? Fuck it. I'm I'm going back to the U.S. I'm going to go to a team that does have some potential, despite what the national media believes. And it, yeah, they're they're living life without Johnny Hockey now. I mean, the additions of Uberdow and Nazem Kadri are huge. Kadri's the big one for me. I mean, yeah, Huberdeau and Uyghur alone, I don't think replace what they lost in Kachuk and Gaudreau, but. Bringing in Kadri, Kadri plays a game similar to Kachuk's. I mean, he's always getting under people's skin. He's good at both ends of the ice. He is a gnarly playmaker. He, he does a little bit of everything for you. And on top of all that, he plays center, which is, I mean, having a really good all-around winger is great. But if you have a guy that can do that down the middle of the ice, uh, I think that's way more valuable even. Boy, I, not yeah. to say that he's as good as Kachuk, but I think his positional value, in addition to everything else he brings, it gets you pretty close. And then having a guy like Uyghur, who's a young, budding, potentially future number one defenseman on the back end, to shore up an already relatively decent defensive unit, I, I think their additions are just out of the park good, especially given what they were dealing with. Not to mention, not to mention that you have two of probably the heaviest handed fucking throwers out there and Milan Lucic and Kadri both on your squad, bro. A nasty team to play against. They're going to yeah, that's that's a that's going to be a gritty fucking squad. It, it is. They're going to lay the body. They're going to lay the body cuz they're they're big too. Nobody One of the other is grittier than the mean son of a bitch they have coaching a man. Daryl Sutter is the king of kicking trash cans through the doors. I mean, this guy will come in and blow up on his team after, you know, one bad shift in a period that they're leading. And he he brings that energy through the guys to the ice. Uh, you saw his runs with the Kings. I mean, 
those teams were nasty, mean teams to play against. And he brought a few of the guys with him, not this offseason, but, I mean, they have Toffoli, who went on two cup runs with him. They've got, uh, I believe, Trevor Lewis. Yeah. Trevor Lu- yeah, Trevor Lewis came over, too. I mean, he's got a couple components of those cup-winning Kings teams there, too, that really have that kind of grit and veteran experience. One of the big things I find interesting about the Goudreau situation, too, I heard it on an interview um, on Chicklets, and it was a it was a theory. And the theory is a lot of superstars don't want to sign big contracts in Canada because of the tax brackets up there. Absolutely, it's like fifty two percent taxed automatically when you make seven figures. I believe was the number I heard. So you're only keeping forty eight percent of the forty one home games you play in Canada. Well, forty one home games, and you got other games in Canada too. So they. You're taxed extremely heavily no matter what, whereas you move to a place like Ohio, it's an exponentially lower number. You know, you see guys on one year's go to like Dallas, Nashville, Florida, Tampa. There's no state income tax. They keep all their money, you know? Yeah, Kachuk's cleaning up even more, man. No state tax at all down in Florida. Yeah, I'm I'm sure the property tax is egregious, but still, you know? So, man, that place is fucked up. Fucked up. (laughs) No, it's fair, but yeah. Thoughts and, um, uh, thoughts and prayers, for real, for real. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the Flames, guys, yeah, we talked about who they lost. You know, obviously they lost Kadrow, Kachuk. They lost Sean Monaghan and Good Branson. So they you know, they lost some guys. The good news for the Flames going into the season is they don't really have any injuries. Um, but yeah, healthy. You know, they're healthy, but we'll, you know, we'll see how that goes as the season goes. But that being said, when it comes to – an X factor, Aaron, what do you got for this team? So my biggest question mark and potential X factor for this team is going to be the guy who benefited from the accolades of the two big boys that left. Elias Lindholm anchored one of the best top lines in hockey as the defensive center presence between Gaudreau and Kachuk. And he had a hell of a season. Is he able to do that now with some different personnel? I mean, you got Huberto coming in who can set you up just as well as Johnny Hockey could. And I, I'm kind of wondering who's going to slot in on that right side of him now. But I I wonder if he can put up the same kind of performance that he did with those guys with whatever new cast he is. Because he's a good player, don't get me wrong. But can he develop chemistry with these new guys to replicate the success that he had last season? I think yeah. that's going to be a huge factor in this team's success. Dude, this is wild. On the on the Flames website, it has them listed. They have nine centers on their offense listed here. They have nine guys that are listed as centers. You got Backlund, Coleman, Dube, Huberdeau, Kadri, Lewis, Lindholm, Rooney, and Ruzica. I I think Backlund's been taking more slots on the wing. I think he has. But, if I'm thinking back, if I'm thinking back to like the playoffs, yeah, he was he was on the wing some. He can't play center though. Yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of C's on, on a roster and not a lot of wings. That's all I'm gonna say. Well, it's, a, lot of, a lot of playmakers. You it's almost three, like uh, three left wings, remember, two right wings. Remember the the team Canada's at the Olympics? It, almost everyone on those teams was a center, and they just bumped them to the wing. I mean, yeah. you'd have Bergeron playing with Crosby. You'd have Giroux 
playing on the wing. I mean, it, they'd always move guys kind of around to uh, accommodate that. I, I don't think it's too hard of a transition to go from center to the wing. I don't think it's either. You have a lot more freedom, a little less responsibility. But having wings that can slot in at center if you have guys down the middle get hurt, that's a huge advantage for this team. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Nate, what do you got for an X factor? Um, you know, I'm going to throw it again on, you know, where's this offense going to come from? It's got to come from somewhere. You lost a lot of points between the two wagons that left. Um, so I'm going to throw it on a guy like Tyler Toffoli. This is a guy who just always sneaks around with like, you know, 25, 30 points, maybe 40 on a year. But I think this is a guy that has the ability to step up a little bit and needs to take this opportunity too. Like that, no, no. he had a like pretty that. decent season last year. Um, he is getting a little up there in age, but I mean, last year he's thirty. He's thirty. You got you still got a couple more years. Come yeah, on, yeah, he still got some time. But it he played thirty seven games for Calgary last year. Eleven goals, twelve assists, twenty three points. Respectable numbers for a small sample size like that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd love to see him step that up. Like keep those same numbers, but. You know, let's see him somewhere around, like, you know, 31 goals, 34 assists. Uh, he's only had, I think, one 30 goal. Yeah, he had, uh, listen, 31 goals for the L.A. Kings back in 15-16. Um, but, yeah, he's been kind of around that 20 mark ever since. A couple of seasons in the teens. He had 28 for Montreal in yeah, he- 52 games. Holy hell. Back in 21. But... Yeah, I mean, I I could see him stepping up and taking a bigger offensive role now with these other two wings out. Absolutely. For sure. I'm, I'm going to go with an easy one. I'm going to go Kadri. Just because he's, he's coming off a cup run, his confidence has got to be high. You know, how, how does he fit into this team? So that's yeah. an easy one for me. Um, I have the Flames. This is tough. D- you know, do they win the division again? Do they come in second? You know, where do they finish? I think it's going to be difficult. I'm going to put them in second place. That's exactly right. I think they lost a lot, but they're going to be good. I got them still. I got them still back in there. I don't think there's enough in this division to knock them off the throne this year. Yet, next year, next year, let's talk again. But I think the I think the Flames did enough to remain good enough to stay atop this division. I think this team. They've had their regular season success. They've won the division a couple times now here in the last four or five years. And I think their only concern now is the playoffs. So they're going to weather the storm of the regular season. I think they're finishing second. Um, I have another huge up-and-coming team that I think is going to pop them off for first. But I, I think the Flames are – they're, they're going to grind their way through the regular season. They're going to rack up a bunch of wins. I have them as a solid second in this division. It's entirely fair. Let's go to the team that finished second last year, boys. They're brothers of Alberta. The Edmonton Oilers finished second last year with 104 points. I mean, we can get right to it. Addition, subtractions, you know, the big thing they brought in, though, guys, goaltending. Yeah. Uh, Did they ever take a gamble on Jack Campbell? They took a guy who showed some good success with the Leaves a couple years ago. Last year, his save percentage was dog shit in the second half, boys. I mean, he kind of fell off a cliff there. He, he looked yeah. decent in the playoffs. But 
I, I think they paid a lot of money for a guy who hasn't shown multiple seasons of sustained success. It's got to be better than 40-year-old Mike Smith, though. Mike Smith didn't look too bad in the playoffs when he wasn't shooting pizzas up the middle. Jesus, Mike Smith. Fucking I know, that's what I'm saying. Like, he, he everything makes unreal I feel like saves, I need to get that guy a, the puck away by pl- trying to play it too much. Time. Every time he steps in net, I need to get that guy a fucking walker or a chair to sit on in between fucking periods. Like, God damn, dude. Help this fucking man off the ice. Is he sponsored by Jarrett Is he going to go home and watch uh, Murder, she wrote? Yeah, like, that, that and depends. It's crazy because he really is a weapon playing the puck there. Like he's like a third defenseman nine times out of 10, but that 10th time, man, it's always ended up in the back of your net. He makes just terrible saucer passes right to an attacking player's stick. And he's 30 feet away from his net. So there's no chance he's getting back to make the save. Yeah, no, it, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, the additions of uh, the addition of Jack Campbell comes in. They also added Ryan Murray and Jason Demers. Excuse me. When I look at their subtractions, though, I don't really think they lost. I mean, they lost a lot of names. I don't think they lost a lot of talent. Would you agree with that one? Uh, um, I I was happy to see Miko Koskinen go. That guy was terrible. Yeah, Duncan Keith's getting up there in age. You know, they have got uh, older guys like Kyle Turris. Like they're all gone. Yeah. To me, to me, this Edmonton team is built to win. They haven't done it yet, but they are clamoring for a cup in Edmonton with arguably the best player on earth in Connor McDavid, but also another top five player in Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, they have two of the top, what, three, four goal scorers in the NHL on one team. One of the few teams that is totally fine being top heavy. I mean, there's usually not a lot below those guys but the top two are so good at generating offense that you don't really need a whole lot. I mean, you can just keep rolling them out there as long as they stay healthy and Dreisaitl's not playing on one leg, which he had to in the playoffs because I believe overused. That's that's my main concern with this team is I, I think that Ken Holland has addressed the depth issues a lot last year and then a little bit more this year, but – I still don't see a lot of contribution coming from lowering this lineup, and this team still doesn't play defense. I mean, they can score all day long, but they just don't help out their goalies whatsoever. Um, Evan Bouchard is a name that I really want to kind of watch this year. He had a nice season last year as a young budding defenseman, and Oscar Kleffbaum on the shelf for pretty much the entire season here. I think he can step into a really big role and potentially help give this team a good two-way responsible defenseman that they've really been looking for for a long time. I, I think their season hinges on how he plays. Because if he can step up and be a star, then this team is something to worry about. And if not, it's just the same old Oilers that'll score six goals but give up eight. Like that first game in the Battle of Alberta where they lost, like, what, like 9-6? Yeah. Fucking just, wild. That was the most yeah. that was the most wild fucking hockey game I've ever seen in my life, honest to God. It reminded me of it, what, then they're back in it, then they're out of it again. It it was just back and forth. It, unreal. Like were it we watching Canadian football? It, oh, remind, man. it reminded me of uh that Penguins Flyers series from like 2012, where the Pens and the Flyers played like a ten to eight game. And you're just like, what the fuck is going on here? 
Hold on a second. I, I got a dog just barking his ass off. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Nate, we'll start with you then. And give me your X factor for the season for the Edmonton Oilers, man. I, it's got to be Jack Campbell, dude. It's got to be. What does this guy do for this team, and how far can he take them? I mean, if it, if his season looks anything like what it – if this season for him looks anything like what it did last year, this Edmonton team is F-U-C-K-E-D booked. And um, it's, it's going to rely heavily on him. I mean, the spotlight's on. He's got to be able to do it now because he's been given this opportunity, a team that made it to the Western Conference Finals last year. Can he get them back there and possibly over the hump? Yeah, no, that's fair. I, uh, I'm going to go with Evander Kane. Had an incredible playoffs, right? Evander Kane comes in, all the question marks. He had the gambling questions in San Jose. They terminated his contract. The Oilers take a flyer on him, and he just balls out in playoffs. Just was out, you know, out of this world good for Edmonton, a team that made a run to the Western Conference Final. And I think Evander Kane's going to be a big one. How does he produce in his first full season with the Edmonton Oilers? So I'm going to go with Evander Kane. Plus, he will happily throw the mitts down and beat the shit out of you. Um, Aaron, who you got for X Factor for the Edmonton Oilers, man? Uh, I have Evan Bouchard, man. Can he carry the mail for that uh, defensive unit? I, I think a big part of the season hinges on him. Vander Kane's an interesting one, too, for me, though, because he always produces on the ice, but everywhere he goes, man, he's got an expiration date. The locker room always turns against him. All the other players in the league, basically, that he's played with kind of look at him as a selfish asshole. You, uh, I don't know if you remember back in Winnipeg, he was just, like, blown off team meetings, and Dustin Bufflin, when they were out of practice, came in and threw all of his uh, clothes in the shower and soaked them all. So, like, just he, – he was fed up with his shit. Then he goes to San Jose. It worked out okay for a little while. And then eventually all those guys turned on him too. I mean, it, it, does this Oilers team – has he learned his lesson? Can he gel with these guys for a long time? Or is he going to run his course through them too? Yeah. Do you remember we had that game in Buffalo? I forget who it was, but he fought, like, all three times. Which, for those that oh, don't yeah. know – it was so if you fight if you fight three times in an NHL game, it's an automatic ejection from the game. Yeah, well, what can you expect from a guy who is named after Evander Holyfield? Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Entirely fair. He he lives a persona. So, Aaron, we'll go back to you. Where do you got the Oilers finishing in the division this year? Uh I have them at third. I I think they can score. I think they got talent. I just don't believe in the goaltending and the defense. Yeah, no, it's fair. Nate, what about you? I got him fourth. I got, <laughs> I got, uh, I got some wheels falling off a little bit this year. They're not just able. Something's not right this year. I can feel it in the air. I think Jack Campbell has a mediocre year again. Um, and yeah, I got him possibly making the playoffs as a wild card team. Holy shit, man! George, George from Grand Prairie is gonna fucking hate you for that one, Nate. Sorry, George. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go third as well. That's where I had him sitting. Um, you know, I think we'll get another battle of Alberta. You know, we'll get that two three right there. So you're not, you're not gonna hear me complain about that. So we'll move on. Let's go down to a team that I mean, it was a shock that they made playoffs last year. I don't think anybody was expecting it. 
And it's the Los Angeles Kings. And I will say, I went to a Kings game last year against the Blackhawks in mid-April, right before the season ended. I, guess I want to shout out Kings fans here. I know they've won two cups, right? They've had Wayne, you know. They've been given reasons to succeed in a, you know, a newer, I mean, it's a newer hockey market when they got a team in Los Angeles. It's always been a basketball town and a college football town. And in a baseball town, too. And I was impressed with Kings fans by how knowledgeable they were about the game of hockey. You know, I, yeah. I, I had no expectations. I've been to a game in Detroit. I expected them to be knowledgeable, and they were. You know, but Los Angeles, they knew their shit. So and it was fun. I mean, they were a young team. They were definitely out of their depth. They had some AHLers out there playing for an NHL team. And they made playoffs. And they gave the Oilers all they could handle in that first round. So I'm high on the Kings coming into the year. Um, they did finish third last year with 99 points. Not a lot of additions to this team. They added Kevin Fiala. It's really the only name worth mentioning. Good name to add. They lost Dustin Brown. He finally retired. Great, great player. Yeah. Martin Furk, Brendan Lemieux, Oli, you know, Olimata, Troy Stetcher, and Andreas Athanasiu. So the subtractions were big. They must be high on their farm system. These guys are ready to come in now. Would you agree? Yeah, I have them as a more mature version of Buffalo that we previewed here last week. Yeah. Um, they, they cleared out some veterans that were kind of filling some holes. And it's only because they want their young guys to step up and get some more playing time. Uh, Brendan Lemieux, a little bit of a bruiser, not a whole lot of offense there. Ali Mata, a good just kind of plug-and-play third-pair defenseman. Troy Stetcher, I, I think they're going to feel his loss the most after Brown. I mean, Dustin Brown, great leader. That guy's getting a statue, captain of two cup teams. Um, Andreas Athanasiu, speedster, a little bit of a threat off the rush, but really not a whole lot else to offer. Um, I think they've got some more complete players that are about ready to mature and take those guys' roles. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Quentin Byfield. I think he, he had a really rough rookie year last year, man. I he mean, did. He, he was battling it, but I think after one season in the show now, he knows what it's all about. He doesn't have those starry eyes anymore, man, and he is a horse. This dude is a big-bodied, heavy, talented centerman, and yeah. he is ready to take a jump on this team. Dude, he isn't even old enough to buy a beer yet, right? Like, I'm, I'm okay with giving you a tough rookie year if you're 18, 19 years old. So, it was born in 02. Yeah, dude. It's, isn't it bananas, like, how, how young a lot of these guys are now? They have three guys on their roster. They have three guys on their roster born 2000 or later. Yeah. Hey, Bif- this is the Bif- epitome Bif- of what a rebuild looks like when it's nearing the end. Yeah. I mean, they, they they really did a good job in the draft. They have kept some veteran presence along to kind of ease these guys in, not just baptize them by fire and let them get eaten alive. And I really am expecting some big things out of this team. Yeah. Um, Quentin Byfield, too, by the way, the highest drafted uh, African-American player of all time when he went second overall. So. Oh, yeah. Fun little, fun little tidbit there. Um, going into the season, though, for the Kings, right? I mean, I, I really like the Kevin Fiala signing. And they still have guys like Dowdy. They still have Anzi Kopitar. They still have Jonathan Quick. You know, they still have names on this team. So, unless I'm missing something and I fucked up there. But, you know, it 
Jonathan Quick, man, he's won two cups. I love Jonathan Quick, man. This guy is my favorite goalie to watch. He he plays such an athletic kind of old school style. He's always always there when you think he's out of the play. I, I mean, he leads by example from the back end on this team. He's fiery too, man. He he's trying to mix it up with people sometimes. I they had that rivalry with the Blackhawks where they were meeting each other in the Western Conference Final like three or four years in a row, and I thought he was going to fight everyone on the Blackhawks by the time those series were over. Uh, he, yeah, guy, everybody kind of wrote him off last year. They thought he was going to concede the net to Cal Peterson. So he battled through. He had a strong season at almost 36 years of age, and he did well in the playoffs too. I mean, he got pulled in one game, but that high-flying Oilers team, man, he locked them down for quite a bit of time. I thought the Kings were going to win that series, man, to be completely honest. Yeah. Yeah, that series, I mean, it was seven games. It, Drew Doughty was only healthy for a small part of the year. And if they had him down the stretch in the playoffs, I don't think there's any question the Kings would have been in the Western Conference Final the way they were clicking. Interesting. I like it. It's a good defender. It's a hot take. A series like that. I, I loved the Kings going into the playoffs, but, you know, it, Dowdy's too big of a loss to overcome, especially he had a resurgent season last year, too. Last year was the year of veterans stepping up after everybody wrote him off for the Kings. I, I mean, I think he comes back pissed off. He wasn't happy to be out with that hand injury last year, and I think we're going to get another nice season out of him, too. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I love it. Uh, Nate, who's your X Factor for the Los Angeles Kings going into 2022-2023? Um, I'm going to go ahead and take a uh, kind of easy one this time. I'm going to take Kevin Fiala. Um, how does he mesh into this? How does he mesh into the system? You know, this was a high, you know, this was a guy that produced very at a pretty high clip in Minnesota. Um, and this is a team that I think could use that kind of veteran leadership. Um, so definitely going to have to ride with um with that guy kevin fiala i'm trying to look up some stats here real quick just for last year so yeah last year i mean yeah last year 82 games played 85 points um 33 33 goal or 33 tucks 52 apples and a plus minus of 23 um so that's pretty that's nothing to be too pissed off about there um and even in the uh, playoff, even in those past playoffs, I mean, he had three, he had three assists in their six games. So, you know, he had a contract year too, man. He he bet on himself and he got paid there. Uh, another stat that I really like from Kevin Fiala, especially for this Kings team. So you think about the Kings teams that won the cups. They were a beat you down, grind you out kind of team. They dump the puck in, they chase it, they fight you on the walls, get it back, and cycle. Kevin Fiala brings an entirely different element to this team. Yeah. He's got a lot of speed, and he had the highest percentage of controlled zone entries on the Wild last year, which they were a great offensive team, but Kevin Fiala was really leading the bus on taking the puck into the zone. And 76.1% of the time, he carried the puck into the zone versus dumping it in and trying to get it back. And if the, these Kings can enter the zone with control – they're big enough and strong enough and they've got enough skill to that they can make you pay after that. Uh, they're, they're not going to be fighting nearly as hard to try and win possession after just shooting the puck in and trying to get it back. Yeah, no, I, 
agree with everything you said there, Aaron. Nate, what do you got for an X factor? I literally just said it to you, brother. I meant Aaron. It's my turn, Phil. What the hell? Um, yeah. So yeah, fuck was, me, right? Super bad. I was close oh, to picking me, right? Fiala. <laughs> fuck me, right? Close to picking Fiala. Uh, I am going with another guy that we actually just talked about, uh, Quentin Byfield. I yeah. think that this guy, if he steps up and gives them a legit strong option on the third line center, they can have three hell of a scoring lines. Uh, Philip Deneau came over last year. He was a huge addition from Montreal. He took a lot of the defensive zone face-off pressure off of Anze Kopitar, and he and Deneau both kind of lit up offensively in ways that we hadn't seen in a while because of that. I mean, they were able to split a lot of those tough matchups and capitalize on it. Those guys are still going to eat up a lot of the attention from the uh, top lines of other teams, and that's going to open up Byfield a chance to go against some third and fourth lines and really, really exploit some weaknesses of some of these other, especially in this division, man, because there's not a lot of depth on any of these teams in this. No, there's not. Um, I'm going to go with the guy that he's day-to-day right now, but I'm going to go with Victor Arvidsson as my X-Factor. Um, he's one of those guys that can he step up to be a point-per-game guy. Like last year, he had 49 points in 66 games, and he had a productive career in Nashville, but I want to see if he can take it to the next level out there in Los Angeles, if he can step up and be, you know, a top six forward and produce like a top six forward. So I'm going to go with Victor Arvidsson. And stay healthy. I really like that choice because he he had a 30-goal season once in Nashville too. I mean, he's got some scoring touch when he stays healthy and gets those opportunities. Um, And I I think having some of these young guys mature for the Kings – it's going to give him a little bit more support where he can be slotted more into a role that he fits instead of trying to do a little bit of everything, you know? Yeah. No, I, yeah, I agree. That's, I mean, we'll see how, I mean, I don't think the Kings go as he goes, but I think if he's going, then the Kings are going, if that makes sense. Yeah, he's, he's one of those guys that like, if you get contributions from him, it's all bonus. It's it's all extra going on, and that's going to help you beat some of these other teams that may look a little bit better than you on paper. Yeah, this is going to be kind of a hot take here, boys. But I actually think they win the Pacific Division this year. Is oh, wait, anybody? Man, you stole it, my it, fucking it, hot take. Is anybody on? Wait, are you on board with me there? That's exactly where I had him. <laughs> Let's go. Hell yeah. Let's go, dude. Oh fuck you guys! I got him second. They're, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think they're good enough yet. Like I said, I don't think that they have done enough. I don't think those young guys are ready to dethrone the Flames. It's not their time yet. I, I think they got so much young, hungry talent on this team looking to come up and make a bigger impact than they did last year. These guys care about every game. Where I think the Flames just want to get into the dance and make some noise afterwards. Yeah, I agree, Aaron, 100%. But we all have them making playoffs, so that makes sense. For show, for show. It's a it's a relatively weak I'm division. Let's hit. I'm getting that for show. Getting that for show. Uh, let's go down to the team that finished fourth last year with 94 points, the Vegas Golden Knights, the NHL's Golden Boy franchise, if you will, expansion franchise, because. I'll tell you what, the Kraken, the Kraken had the same opportunities, but they did not uh, attack it the same way. I think the Kraken were looking more down the line of, man, can we get some high draft picks instead of trying to draft a great team off the bat, which 
Can't blame them. Um, Vegas. So they only really brought in Phil Kessel, which is great. And he, he looks, he looks trim now. He's not really looking like cheeseburger Phil anymore. You know, he's not jerking off in his one man lonely theater in his basement. Have you guys seen that? He has a theater with one chair. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know about that, man. I saw he just had his birthday the other day and, uh, he had a giant ass cake with hot dogs all over it on the icing. Well, yeah, and I mean, I didn't say he stopped, he's stopped eating guy. him. I said he's actually like d- different workout regimen, I guess. Um, they, I mean, they lost Evgeny Dadunov, Max Pacioretty, and Matthias Yanmark. I mean, those are three names. Uh, big names. You know. Big names. Those are three names. I so, I mean, a huge loss for this team, I think. I, they're going to struggle here without him, in my opinion. I agree with you 100%. I think this Vegas team is staring down the barrel of a rebuild. Whether they whether they accept it or not, I do feel a little bad for Jack Eichel. Gets traded there finally, and they miss playoffs. But, I mean, we forget that they have Jack Eichel, who is utterly fucking ridiculous. That's, that's your rebuild. That's the centerpiece of your rebuild right there. That's what keeps the people dropping acid and going to T-Mobile Arena, baby their load so early man they were set up to be good for a long time and they got that miracle run to the cup final in their inaugural season and said fuck everybody that got us here fuck all these draft picks we got in this expansion draft let's get every goddamn big name that comes up on the trade block or free agency and let's pay him five trillion dollars put ourselves in cap hell and end up with no assets. They gave Max Pacioretty away for free. They didn't get a single goddamn thing back. They got future considerations. This guy is a power play weapon. He was one of their main star players, a huge driver of offense for this team, and they just gave him away to fit under the cap. And they brought in Phil Kessel to try to replace him, who has been great in the past, but hasn't really shown us anything since he's been away from Pittsburgh. This team has absolutely no loyalty to the group of hardworking, bust-your-ass kind of guys that got them to the success they had before. And every year they piss away more of their assets to chase older, highly paid guys that are going to be delivering less and less every year for them. This is, I think, the mindset that we're going to see with Vegas teams. Every year is win now. Every year is win now. Every year you got to be good enough to get asses in the seats because we paid a lot of money to build these fucking fancy ass stadiums. We got to get asses in the seats. So we got to be good enough. We got to make it to the playoffs. And that's just not the way that pro sports work. Like you hard cap, like the NHL. Yeah. Like you're going to have waves. You're going to have waves of good and waves of bad. Every single franchise has seen it look at the chain of asset management they have here so they trade nick suzuki who was very highly touted in a couple years he was going to be very good to get max patch who they piss away for nothing because they overpaid him and can't afford everybody now they sign alex petrangelo to that huge contract and all of a sudden they can't afford to keep the good people that they have now suzuki is primed to be very good in montreal and he's kickstarting their rebuild and they have not dick to show for it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's, I don't think Vegas has, has figured out how 
yeah, they have not figured out the financial aspect of the National Hockey League, that is for sure. Um, for me, when it comes to X factors, guys, when it comes to me for Vegas this year, I think it's going to be really important how they play on the blue line, and I'm going to go with Shea Theodore as my X factor. I think he I like is Shea a Theodore a lot. He's an underrated defenseman, in my opinion, and I think they're going to really struggle to keep pucks out of their net as a whole. But I think guys like Shea Theodore can keep them competitive uh, for the remainder of the season. So. I, I like his game a lot. Um, having him behind Petrangelo is a huge luxury because he, he was a number one defenseman for them before they got Petro. And yeah. now they've got a number one guy anchoring a second pair. So, I mean, I, I like him a lot. Uh, Mark Stone is still just an absolute beast, man. He, every time somebody's getting into their zone, he just shoots out his stick like a fucking lizard's tongue grabbing a fly, rips the puck out, and it goes the other way. But now without Pacioretty, uh, he better hope Jack Eichel is healthy and ready to rip it up because there's not a whole lot else scoring for him on this team. No, there's not. That's why they bring in guys like Phil Castle. Maybe they can catch a little more, little little lightning in a bottle, you know. Nate, it, who do you got for your X factor? See him have a resurgent season, but I don't know if he has it in him or not. Yeah, that's my question too. <laughs> Nate, what are you going to go with for X factor? X Factor Vegas Golden Knights. Um, I, I'm just gonna put I'm just gonna put goaltender and big question mark there because that's all that it is right now in Vegas and goal is a question mark. I mean, yeah, you have Robin Lehner. He was all right last year, um, not the best year. Very injury riddled as well. He's in. He's still injured. Um, he's uh, gonna be out for quite a while, I believe. Um, let me double check that here real quick. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, no, uh, what do we have? September 15th? Is that, so he's back. That's the projection is September 15th, but he's coming off hip surgery. And I mean, here in Columbus, we're seeing Corpus Allo got hip surgery last year and he's still not a hundred. I mean, with goalies. And that was late that, last year too. Yeah. With goalies, the the lower body area, I mean, we've seen with Bobrovsky's groin, uh, tons of goalies have had hip surgeries and struggled afterwards. It, I think he's going to be a long way from 100% when he comes back on that September. Yeah, they've got – yeah, Vegas has five guys listed on their uh, on their roster at goalie. I mean, they've got Laurent Brassoy. You've got Aiden Hill. hip until October 11th. Michael Michael Hutchinson, yeah, Robin Lehner, and uh, Logan Thompson. So that leads us into my X factor, which is Logan Thompson. This guy battled really hard for him down the stretch, trying to drag this team into the playoffs when everyone else around him got hurt and Fleury got traded away. Um, he, he's got some grit to him, man. He he can hang in there and make some good saves. Uh, can he do it for whatever amount of time he needs to until Robin Lehner gets back, though? That's that's my question. I mean, he, I, I really liked what I saw from him last year, but it was such a small sample size, it's really hard to judge. I don't know if he can anchor a team like this with the expectation all the way until the uh, Cavalry comes back to save him. Well, I'll tell you what, if you're going to take if you're gonna take him, then I'm going to change mine up here just so we can have some differentiators because I know Phil was going to take this one. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Jack Eichel as an X Factor. Um, this is a guy. <laughs> That didn't have a great inaugural start to his time with um, Vegas. I mean, he did 
You know, he had uh, in 34 games, he had 25 points, 14, 14 tucks. So um, it was all right. I'd like to see now, but now this is his, this is, I think, his first full inaugural season. Like, this is his time. Like, now you come back, fully recovered from that disc replacement. Right. Um, He finally gets to play on a good team. You've been skating with these guys for a while now. You've been skating with these guys for a while now. Like, you've got some time with them. Let's see you fit in the system. Yeah. That's fair. Jack, Jack Eichel is a guy, too, man. Like, he was given the keys to the car in Buffalo. We all know all about Buffalo's ownership now. And Buffalo hasn't made the playoffs in, like, 12 years. So... I don't blame him for wanting to get out. He's, he's in a situation in a team that historically makes playoffs. You say historically in quotes, they've only been around for six years or whatever it is, but you know, they, they make playoffs more often than not. So yeah, Jack Eichel's a good pick there. Guys, we'll start with you, Aaron. Where do you see him finishing in the division? Uh, I got him fifth just outside of the playoffs. That's fair. I'm going to do the same thing. I had him going into fifth as well, to be honest. Not trying to piggyback here, but you and I are on very similar wavelengths right now. We're in the Aaron, and I think here. based on based on these spreadsheets, I think we're going to continue to be on very similar wavelengths, it seems. Um, Nate, where do you got him finishing? I got these motherfuckers sixth. Okay. Yeah, no, no playoffs. No playoffs. No soup for you. No soup. Um, Fuck yeah. It's the soup Nazi. The play um, Nazi. Vancouver Canucks boys, they're up next. They finished fifth last year, 92 points. They added Ilya Mikheyev. I like Ilya Mikheyev's game. Solid player. I like his speed a lot. So They cashed in on Toronto's cap issues there because Toronto would have liked to re-sign him, but they just didn't have any room. Uh, yeah, he, he can be a complimentary player to some of these elite skill guys like he was with the Leafs. Um, Elias Pettersson. You got Brock Besser, who really has kind of battled some injuries. But when he's healthy, man, he can put the puck in the net. Mikheyev does a lot of the dirty work to kind of help set these guys up. Yeah. Yeah. Mikheyev, solid player. And, uh, like, the me- like, he was the Toronto meme lord. Like, every meme I saw about the Leafs involved Ilya Mikheyev. So, you know, fan favorite, potentially. Stay tuned. They also run a curse are. So, um... There's subtractions. Aaron, you want to run through those real quick? Uh, we got a whole lot of decrepit shells of players leaving this team. Uh, Nick Patan's out. Matthew Highmore's out. Brad Richardson. He's been in the league for fucking ever, man. Uh, just good face yeah. off winning fourth line center. Not a whole lot other than that. Brandon Sutter. Brad Hunt leave. Uh, we're just kind of having some guys age out of the system here and make room for some of their young guys. Yeah, man, it, it entirely true. Vancouver, they really underperformed last year, and I think you can point a lot of that to Elias Pettersson. I think you can point. He a had lot a terrible year. I don't really. There's not really a nice way to say it. Let's uh, let's break this down a little bit though, because if look at Pettersson's numbers here, um, you remember we had Travis Green starting off the season with the Canucks. And this team was just abysmal under him. And a big part of that was Pedersen's production. 
So if we go down here to our numbers, uh, look at the 25 games under Travis Green. Elias Pettersson had 12 points. He he was a breakout star a couple years ago, just in the doldrums of a slump there under Travis Green, who just didn't know what he was doing. Look at Bruce Pedro coming in. The Brucey. The happy-go-lucky, rosy-cheeked, barbecue sauce on his shirt motherfucker that everybody in the league loves. Elise Pedersen had 56 points in 55 games under Bruce Boudreau. He brings in a free-flowing offensive system, and what do you know? Your young, talented stars can thrive. So I am looking for some big things out of Pedersen this year, and I think that we're going to see, with a Boudreau training camp in full season, he is going to explode. Yeah. I like that one. I like that a lot, actually. I think this team, um, one of the other big things for this team in my eyes, too, is you can't have Thatcher Demko play in 70-plus games. I, li- yeah, I like Thatcher Demko. I think he's very good. He's great. He can't play 70. He can't play 70-plus games. He's not, you know, he's not Vazzy. No, and, and, you, and you, have, you have Spencer Martin there. I mean, I don't know much about the guy. Um, it's going to be interesting to – you know, see what, how if he could help out Demko. I mean, do you guys know much about? Do you guys know much about him? I'm nah. looking him up right now because I don't know Dick about this guy. I don't know shit about Dick. Yeah, I'm pulling up. I'm, I'm trying to pull up something here real quick just to see. Uh, his career is nine games played, three wins, two losses, four overtimes. Uh, goals allowed: two point five eight. Save percentage of ninety two. Not bad. It's a tiny sample size, but it's not bad. And I'm looking at his minor numbers, and they're not encouraging, boys. Uh-oh. Uh, so last year in Abbotsford, we had a 914 save percentage. Uh, the year before, 907. The year before that, 897. Orlando Solar Bears of the ACHL, so we got demoted from the AHL. Uh, yeah, I'm seeing a whole lot of high 80s, low 90s in the save percentage margin here, which yeah. who, who knows what kind of teams he was playing behind. But I, I mean, who knows? He'd come up with me great. Right. It's, yeah, I mean, there, there are guys on Demko and Net. There, there are guys that play down in the minors, too, that struggle, and they go up to the show and they're fine. And it, it's weird. It's bizarre. It's like the opposite of baseball. In that regard, because like a lot of it has to do, I think, with coaching and the team in front of you. Because if you just got a dog shit team of guys that are just looking to get points so they can make it to the NHL, then nobody's really supporting you back there. Yeah, no, it's true, especially today's high flying NHL, where even you know defensemen are up up on the play more often than they ever used to, and stuff like that. Yeah, you never know. You never know what the guy's dealing with when he's playing down in the jungle, but yeah, um, but it still doesn't. I mean, you got to be able to save. You got one job, man. It's just, it's to save the puck from going into the net. Um, now, granted, there are a lot of situations I get it, but still, you got to be able to do something. We yeah. can't get all that to those, you know, to those um, odd man plays. Got to be honest, an intense breakdown of the Canucks backup goalie was not on my bingo card for this podcast, but I'm glad it's all, it happened. It's all good. We, uh... you, you never know what will happen here at Beerly Hockey. Speaking of which, Beerly Hockey guys, follow us on Twitter at Beerly Hockey. And as you all know by now, Nate and I also do the Small Market Insecurities podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter at 
small market INS, Instagram, small market insecurities, and TikTok, small MKT insecurities for all of your small market needs. Guys, I think the other big thing for this club is too, and we've kind of talked about the Vancouver Canucks a little more than I thought we would. That being said, when they get Brock Besser back, hopefully by the end of October, that's going to be the, the, the turning point in the season for this team. Can they tread water till their captain gets back? Yeah. Bo Horvat's captain? Bo Horvat's captain. Oh, Jesus Christ. Why did I think Brock Besser was the captain? Because you're a dumb. Oh, man, he, he's just got a head of hair that screams captain at you. True. That elite lettuce. Elite lettuce. That's fair. We'll go to Nate first. Nate, give me your X factor. JT Miller. Ooh. Yeah, give, the, the Ohio boy. Yeah, give it to me. This is a guy where's the A. Um, he needs to, you know, help step it up and help lead this team through what could be, I think, a very tough year. Um, so he's got to be a guy that helps lead him through it be a veteran and uh so yeah he's my x factor that's a good one i'm gonna go with brock besser when he comes back because i think that that is going to be a, a big turning point for this team that's why i brought that up too brock besser is my x factor i think we know we're going to get a better elias Pettersson. we've seen as aaron broke down the numbers from you know how he's played since he took over with uh with boudreau brucey there um but yeah you know guys like bo horvick guys like elias, elias Pettersson. You know, we're going to get production there, but it's how does Brock Besser play after this injury? So I'm going to go with B squared there. Aaron, who you got? So I really struggled back and forth between this one, boys. I'm going to have to cheat and give you two. Uh, my my 1A here is Nils Hoglander. This guy is a prospect. Uh, he didn't have a hell of a great season last year. Uh, kind of same situation as Byfield that we talked about a little bit. I think he kind of he got hit with the NHL speed and size a little bit. But this dude has got some unreal hands. He is just a magician with the puck. And he has got some flashy, flashy highlights from the minors that you can watch. I, I think this guy can – he's penciled in on the third line right now. But I think he makes a jump to the top six, especially if he can fill that hole with Besser being out. And I, I think he can be a big-time contributor to this team. Aaron, can I tell you, I went, I went back and forth. I went back and forth between Miller and Hoglander as well. Like I really did because I, yeah, I've seen, I've seen some of his fucking work, his handwork, and it's filthy, dude. Like this guy can really be something. He just needs saucy mitts. Yeah, he just needs to. He needs to catch up with the speed of the league, and I think he's right there. I like I'd it. like to see him take a big step this year. Other one that I have is Quinn Hughes. This guy had a huge season a couple years ago. Um, was good last year, not great. Uh, kind of the sophomore slump that people talk about. And he is going to be relied upon a ton on the defensive end here. Um, he brings a ton of offense. He's got unreal skating. I, I put his edge work second to Kale McCarr. But he is, uh, he's kind of been experimenting a little bit here in training camp. Uh, I got some quotes from him, actually. Uh, so he is a lefty. He's always played on the left side. He is considering, and Bruce Pedro is considering, moving him to the right side where the Canucks have a deficiency. And he can take some heavy shots on that forehand when he's in the zone. So here's a quote from him. 
Uh, I think there's more opportunities for me on the right side just to get my feet moving in the ozone blue line. There's a couple different things I can do. I find myself on the left side getting stationary sometimes. I think from an offensive perspective, right side might be easier for me. Uh, he talks about how I'm on my forehand on the right side. I can backwards skate and take it down the wall. If a pass comes across, I can just cut in on my forehand and shoot. Whereas if I walk on the left side, I have to put it on my backhand and open up. I don't really have too many options. I think this guy can be dynamic playing on his offhand if they give him the chance. I love it. Yeah. I, I love the quote, too. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, sometimes it could be something as simple as just switching it up and going, all right, how do we play to this guy's strengths? And I think Vancouver, Vancouver's going to be interesting uh, to see how they – how they mesh this year, I guess, you know, with everything going on there. But I have them finishing sixth in the division. I don't see them as a playoff team. Um, I, I think they need to shore up the blue line more in, in reality. And they need to get a, a solid backup for Thatcher Demko. So I have them finishing sixth. You and I differ, Phil. We've been in lockstep here for a little while, but I have them fourth. I have them in the playoffs. Um, Bruce Boudreau. He's never had a lot of deep playoff success, but this motherfucker gets teams into the postseason and has great regular seasons everywhere he goes. And he he can get his teams to score their way out of problems night in and night out when everyone else in the league is just kind of sitting back grinding through. So I, I have them at a solid fourth. I have them taking a wild card spot. I like it. I like it a lot. The optimism in British Columbia is there, and it is strong with Aaron Kinney. Nate, what do you got? I got him. I got him fit. I'm fit. Not not quite in the playoffs, um, but you know, knocking on the door. And uh, it's just, I don't think they're going to be able to piece it all together all the way through this season. I think there's going to be, you know, some injuries that are going to pop up. I think they're going to have something. I don't know. If, yeah, I just don't think they're going to be able to put it all together this season and be able to get to the playoffs. Um, but I think. Boudreaux is a good start, and I think they have the piece, some of the pieces in place. I think you've got some aging players that you still need to get out and some young players to still get in, and you need to start drafting a lot better, too. There's yeah. one thing. They, they've never really committed to a full rebuild. They've always kind of been in the mushy middle. They've never had any of those super crazy high-end draft picks. They lucked out with Pedersen. Uh, he fell to him. They've never really been picking in the top one, two, three since the Sydney era. So yeah. I, I I mean, this this team has cultivated some talent out of some low draft picks, and I, I'm i pretty optimistic about their future. They've also never won a Stanley Cup, so maybe they need to commit to a rebuild, you know? I mean, <laughs> true. You know? That's one of those markets, like we were talking about with Vegas, like they need to put asses in seats. Vancouver is a demanding fan base, man. I mean, they were riding in the streets after Game 7 of that cup in 2011. I was they, about to bring that up, too. Yeah, they are not happy when this team does not have success. So, they, I, I think it would be really tough to sell those crazy motherfuckers up there. But they might need to do if this doesn't work out this time around. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Fair. That is fair. Hey, guys, let's go down to our next team, shall we? The San Jose Shocks. Nate, Nate, we'll start with you, buddy. They have made some roster overhaul. Yeah. Yeah, dude. What the actual hell? 
So where do we want to start with the additions or the subtractions? Just do the whole thing, man. Fuck it. Let's start with our subtractions. All these names, I have faith in you. Let's start with let's start with our subtractions, okay? Brent Burns, one of your fucking signature players for the last what fifteen year, ten years at least. Yeah, he's in Carolina now. Yeah, exactly. Um, Rudolph's Balsers, Ryan Zingle, Joaquin Blakefield. Did I get that right? Close. Yeah, okay, I'll take it. And uh, Jonathan Dolan. And then moving on to your additions. Luke Coonan, Marcus Nudevara, Scott Harrington, Nico Stern, Steven Lorenz, Oscar Lindblom. There we go. Matt Benning, Aaron Dell, Sasha Shmelevsky. <laughs> uh, no, Sasha Shmelevsky. I got that one. Shmelevsky. There you go. And Aveni and Aveni Shmechnikov. <laughs> Shmechnikov. Damn, the crossfade is a uh, hitting hard. <laughs> I'm so glad you made Nate read those. Uh, yeah, that was kind of a that was a fun one. You planned that one, didn't you? Good, good on you. Know, I good. might be a sadistic. I'm a sadistic fuck. What can I say? No, a lot of roster overhaul in San Jose, and not a good team last year. And I, I think we can all agree they're not going to be a good team this year. <laughs> this is where I'm switching from the Bud Light to the whiskey. I love the Sharks, man. I have watched this team do so many good things. Up final in 2016. They've always been a regular season juggernaut. They were with Pittsburgh on par for like regular season success and playoff streaks for a very long time. Never quite made it over the hump. Had some absolute legends that have just aged out. Patrick. I mean, Marlo, you're you're wearing a Patrick Marlowe sweater right now. <laughs> Patrick Marlowe just retired over the summer. Joe Thornton's out. We don't know what he's going to do. He he may retire too. Just, it's so sad to see that this team in the state that they're in. But they've yes, got a new GM coming in, Mike Greer. Um, despite the fucking pennies they received from Brent Burns' trade, I, I do have a little bit of faith in him. Doug Wilson went for it with this team, man. He he did everything he could to try and build them up into a cup contender. And it, if it weren't for the Blues eating the dog shit out of them in 2019, I have faith that they would have won the cup. I mean, they. everybody on that team was hurt that year, and they ended up losing that series in the Western Conference Final. But that's all in the past. Now we're tearing it down to the fucking floorboards, boys. And what a better year to do it than a draft where you have a chance at Connor Bedard. I mean, it, if they play this thing right, they could load up in this draft and really kind of kickstart a rebuild for another sustained era of success. Um Brent Burns is really your only tradable asset on the blue line. They, they've got three anchors of a contract back there. You had Brent Burns making over eight for a long time deep into his 30s. You had Eric Carlson, who's made of fucking glass and cannot stay healthy ever since he left Ottawa. Uh, you paid him $11 million a year for eight years deep into his 30s. Uh, you got Mark Edward Vlasic, who was a very good shutdown guy, but is not what he used to be anymore. Brent Burns is the only one you could get any kind of value for. So, trade him away. Uh, you got Steven Lorenz back for him and some 
middling draft picks, and you retain salary. That's the part that pisses me off. I I don't know why they kept as much salary as they did there because they're still in cap hell almost. But you've got a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel here if you can hit home in this draft. Um, this this team is just going to be tanking. It, it's that's plain and simple. They have nobody in fucking net. They brought back Aaron Dell, who had a couple short-term runs with him. He was a backup for a little while. Almost wrestled away the starting job a few years ago. Went to a few other stops. Now he's back here. It, it's just going to be a grind of a season with the draft as your only hope. It, you got a couple guys that can kind of show you some excitement. You got Logan Couture still kicking away. He's a fucking battler. He, uh, in that 2019 season, man, Took Brent Burns shot to the mouth, caved in his entire upper side of his face, had all his teeth glued back in for the rest of the playoffs, and battled through. He, he's a hell of a captain. Uh, you got Tomash Hurdle still there. He just signed a big contract to stay there for a while. Timo Meyer's a bright spot. I, I don't know what's going to happen with Kevin LeBanc in the future. His contract coming up, and he's going to have a huge qualifying offer. But it's it's just time to kind of keep what you can and draft new. It, it's it's really really sad affairs for the Sharks right now. I don't even know if we want to do X factors for this because like X factor would just be what like how well they tank. Mario Ferraro is going to be fun to watch. He's he's kind of okay. a young up and coming D man. Burns moves on. He's going to have a little bit more of an offensive role to fill. We'll see how he does. That's really all I have. I think I think Capo Kakin and Annette could be an interesting one. Uh, coming over from Minnesota last year, uh, you know he had eleven. He started ten games for him, only had two wins, um, but he did have a nine sixteen save percentage to start. And there's again, there's not much in front of him there. So I don't know. This could be exciting. It could be interesting for him. Yeah, I mean they still have some names. They got they still have Timo Meyer. They still have. You know, we mentioned Oscar Lindblom is in there now. We said a hurdle. They still have Logan Couture. They have Nick Benino, some guys that have been there and done that. So they have a few guys that are worth watching. But, yeah, really, the, I mean, this team's X factor is can we get into the Connor Bernard sweepstakes, right? It's it's going to be a battle between them, Chicago, Montreal, and Arizona. I think there's another team in there that we'll get to in a little bit. But, boys, you know, Nate, we'll go to you. Where do you have the Sharks finishing in the division? Oh, I got him dead last. Eight, eight, eight. Aaron, what about you? Got him at the bottom intentionally. I'm going to put him in seventh. Wow, you don't think they're bad enough? I think there's one team left that's worse. Okay. Well, I know. That's just my opinion. I'm one man. Guys, let's go down to the Anaheim Ducks. Last season, seventh place, 76 points. Quack, quack, fuckers. Nate, let's have, let's have you do it again. Who'd they add? Who'd they lose? All right, I got this. Additions. Ryan Strome, Frank Petrano, John Klingberg, Dmitry Kulikov, and Glenn Godden. Who the fuck names their kid Glenn anymore, honestly? Poor bastard. Uh, yeah. I didn't know that guy existed until we came down to go through these. Let's go through some subtractions. Uh, first of all, Ryan Getzloff retires. Old man done. You also lose Nick Sorensen, Roman Durney, 
Ryan Kessler, Andre Schuster, Dominic Simon, Greg Pattern, Trevor Carrick, Sonny Milano, and Sonny Zach Milano, and Reese. What is Sonny Milano doing now? I'm looking this up. Names, man. He was just up here, wasn't he? Didn't he get picked up by somebody? Yeah, he's uh, a flame. He's yeah. playing with the Flames. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see what Derek No, 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 he's now. not. The Flames oh, released him. Oh, did they really? They released him uh, six hours ago, yeah. So this is a complete repeat of what we just had with Alex Kalchenyuk in the Central Division. Yeah. Joins a team we think exactly. is going to be good, can't quite cut it, gets releases for talking about him on the podcast. Yep. Sonny fucking Milano, good lord. Yeah, so when we look at when we look at the Anaheim Ducks guys, uh, this is a young up and I mean, I love Trevor Zegras. Love him. Super marketable. I think he's good for the league. He's fun. He's the fuck you to every old hockey, like the John Tortorellas, who are like, it's too flashy. It's not respectful to the game. Fuck you. Fuck Boys you. Let him, they, let they him like pull the Michigan. Friends. It's fun. He makes watching hockey fun. Would you yeah. agree? Absolutely. Yeah. He like he, the kid's on the fucking cover of the NHL, isn't he? Perfect bro for Anaheim, man. He's just a fucking laid back, don't give a fuck. I'm gonna have fun doing what I want, kind of guy. And like, I love I'm that. Gonna, I'm gonna go to fucking In and Out Burger before my fucking game, bro. Have you ever I'm been to In and Out? Score three goals. Yeah, I have. <laughs> it's delicious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like bro, he's like, I'm gonna go hit the dispense real quick, go get my fucking in and outs, and then I'm gonna go hit the stades for Pracky, and then we're gonna fucking win it, bro. <laughs> Ripping Bardowski top top shelf Chad. Absolutely. I got a photo bro. shoot for the EA cover here. Uh so I'm gonna be a little late to Pracky boys, but don't worry, I'll, I'll still put up a couple couple genos. Say he said we'll go down to LA for some big city slams, dog. <laughs> I mean as a guy that works for a company based in Orange County, this is this all this checks every box. Exactly. They said the steep is fucking real with my game, dog. Like, watch me do it as Michigan real quick. Yeah, that's 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 my impression of Tre- Trevor Zegras. You guys like it? I love that dude. Elite. It's an it's an elite impression. Yeah, as a guy that you know goes to Orange County for work. Companies based out of there. I can, I can attest to Trevor Zegras. He definitely uh, has utilized our company services. Guys, uh, we have a problem. Before. We have What's a problem. the problem? I got to go get another beer. No, that is a problem. We can't have you sober. Get the lewds, Donnie. I'm not dying sober. I, uh, I thought we were going to have Nate actually pronounce some names right, man. I'm glad we're, we're fixing that problem. Damn, I, damn, I hate being sober. Tapey and so, but so the I I think when it comes to the Anaheim Ducks this year, guys, it's you know how does the young core mesh with the new vets they brought in? How do you know how does this team gel to start off the year? Would you agree with that one, Aaron? I personally love the addition of John Klingberg. This is the perfect. Uh, let's get a guy who we know can score points, pump his numbers up as much as we can, put him in every situation to make him look like Superman and then sell him for a bounty at the trade deadline and load up in another draft where we can clean up. I yeah. I think this is a beautiful piece of work by the Ducks GM. 
and I am very happy to see John Klingberg get to pad his numbers up and maybe earn a big contract. Uh, yeah. Frank Vetrano, also nice addition from Florida. That guy showed some serious offensive flashes. This is going to be a fun team to watch, boys. Uh, we went into this whole podcast here. This is the fucking overs division, man. Anaheim, Vancouver, Edmonton. I already said Vancouver. But teams are so offensive-minded, and the depth in the defense is not there. Every single fucking night, man, I'm going to be losing sleep, winning money on goals, goals, goals in this division. Because overs, baby. It's so skilled and so don't give a fuck about defense that it's just going to be a freaking barn burner every time there's a divisional matchup, unless you're against the Kings. The Kings have some solid defensive structure. The Flames maybe too, but they're going to score a lot. I mean, it's be a very, very fun division, and this is a very fun team. Absolutely. Nate, who's your X Factor for the Anaheim Ducks? My X Factor for the Anaheim Ducks is none other than that one and only Trevor Zegras. Can he, you know, can he follow it up again this year? Can he have another very productive year? Um, show, show some flash and, you know, put some points out for this team, help get them some fucking wins. Getzloff's out some... now, man. He's, that's his team. He's the man at center. Yes. He's going to be yeah. getting all the big-time matchups. Can he keep doing what he's doing without that sheltered role? Going to go get – he's the guy that gets the big city slams, dog. Absolutely. Aaron. If you were scoring all those points, man. Oh, those Orange County girls? Yeah, I'm sure he's going to have a miserable time. Aaron, who do you got? Filling in all the hot moms from uh, Disneyland out there. Uh, uh, so I've got Jamie. The Dyer's young gravy girl. of the NHL. People yeah. Ask. So Jamie Drysdale is a guy who had a ton of hype coming up. He's been a little overshadowed by Trevor Zegers's flashy ass season last year. He is a powerhouse on defense. He had some kind of struggles breaking into the league, as we've talked about with many guys last year. I think he really steps into his own this year, and I think he can help this a lot on the back end. He has a great season. This team could finish higher than where I have him, them ranked. But I, sure. I just got to see it first. Yeah. I, I'm going to go with Ryan Strom. I think Stromer is a guy that in the last couple of years, I'm looking at his numbers, 1920, he played 70 games because I think that was the max anybody played. Before COVID hit, 59 points. 2021, you know, 56-game season, played every game, 49 points. Last year, made that big playoff run with the Rangers, 74 games, 54 points. Can he be the guy to get maybe 60, 65 points on that second line probably, probably the second line centerman? Can he be the guy that steps up and gets that 60, 65 range? Because I think if they can get there, this team will be dangerous. Um, But I'm going to go with Ryan Strom. And I'm surprised nobody said John Gibson, man, to be honest. Gibson, you know what you're going to get from him, man. I love that guy. He's that's why I have Anaheim higher than some of these other teams because they have a rock in net. John Gibson, yeah, first NHL game when he was a rookie, shut out. First NHL playoff game, second round against the Kings, shut out. This, this guy steps up in the big moments, he just yeah. needs some big moments to be available, and that's only going to happen if this team can make the playoffs. What you just said about Ryan Strom. I am on the total opposite side of that spectrum, dude. 
Ryan Strome is a good complimentary piece if you have fucking Artemi Panarin feeding him. Without him, I think he falls off a cliff. I don't okay. think Anaheim made a great decision with this signing. Entirely fair. We're allowed to disagree, Aaron. I mean, you're wrong, but we're allowed to disagree. Hey, listen, you're wrong. No, Colonel Sanders, you're wrong. Oh, wrong. <laughs> a lot of movie quotes this episode tonight, boys. Anybody, um, has anybody ever told you that both of you are fucking wrong? Yeah, Nate. I don't know. Let's let's hear what you got. What what's your Ryan Strom hot take? Yeah. <laughs> My Ryan Strom hot take is that he's an aging piece of shit that doesn't have much left in the tank. Oh my that God, far, man. Jesus he's a human Christ. being. He's still an okay. <laughs> man has a family player. name. <laughs> you're you're gonna turn me around on this just because I feel bad for what you just did to this man. Yeah. No, Aaron, I hate you, you aging piece of shit. Hey, guess what? It's not like Dylan with fucking cinder blocks strapped to his feet. He can at least escape. (laughs) Hey, hold on, hold on. Can I just mention that this guy is only, like, four months older than me? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm essentially also calling myself an aging piece of shit, okay? We're all aging pieces of shit. We're all aging pieces of shit on this podcast, man. Exactly. Our, our best years are behind us. I'm almost fucking thirty. I'm almost fucking thirty-one, Nate. Hey, I, I'm coming up on twenty-nine here. Come on. <laughs> oh my god. I'm the young bucket coming up on twenty-eight. <laughs> yeah, enjoy your twenties, boys. Because trust me, you wake up and all of a sudden you feel thirty. Um, I don't know about you, but I feel thirty-two. Aaron, I'm fifty-four right now. <laughs> I got the knees of a ninety-year-old. Aaron, where 60. where are you? Uh, where are you putting this team to finish in the Pacific? I got them at sixth. Um, I think they take a little bit of a step. I don't think they're there yet. I think they still need some maturation. I think they cash in on some of these deadline guys that they sign. They can sell them off, get some draft picks, get some young assets. I think they're primed here in like a year or two to really blow up. Yeah, I've got them. I've got them seventh. I've got them taking one step forward. Um, I think it's, you know, they, they've got, they've got their cornerstone piece. They've got their tendy. You've got some nice new additions, some sh- nice shiny new toys in Vetrano and Strom. Um, so yeah, let's see. I mean, I, I think you make a step forward out of last place in this division, but that's about it. That's fair. I... I'm gonna. This is my hot take of the night, boys. I'm finishing fourth. Wow. Yeah. In a big old step forward here. Yeah, I think this division is very offensive oriented, and I think they have enough blue line help to kind of stall other teams. I think they'll get a lot of like three, two, four threes. So, yeah, I think Anaheim takes a step up. Is that playoff worthy? Maybe. I'm not sure if we're gonna get four teams out of this division. But yeah, I think Anaheim finishes fourth this year. That's my hot take. All I want to know is, all I want to know is, can we be sure to get some of that stuff that you're smoking when I come down there in December? That's all I want to know. I don't know. I don't even know what you're referring to. Cigarettes? They're great. Yeah. Aaron, (laughs) where do you you get the Ducks finishing? And I I think they're, they're kind of there. They're just not all the way there. They're, they still need a little bit of time to uh, age. 
Entirely fair. Boys, let's go to our... I hope John Gibson's still elite by the time they're ready to really take that jump. Treading water, buddy. Treading water. Or they'll have to go out and find someone. Absolutely. Let's go to the last team, boys. We're here. We have made it. Give ourselves a round of applause. Pat on the back. This is our 32nd and final NHL team and the one that the one and only... Nate McBride is rapping. He's wearing a Seattle Kraken. Guys, before we get into this. I don't know about y'all motherfuckers, but I like smoking crack. Before we get into the team, we have to talk about Bowie, the mascot. He might be the worst fucking mascot I've ever seen. Wait, hold on. I thought it couldn't get worse than Gritty until it fucking did. Yeah, I mean, Gritty, Gritty's like scumbag dad vibes. Bowie's like it's grown on me over the years. This oh my guy, Bowie's like homeless is, encampment outside of Seattle vibes. That's so what it, exactly a, what a it is. A live reaction of Nate first viewing this thing. Oh my oh. god, what the fuck! I I do remember seeing this thing, but good god, and his name is Bowie. What the yeah. fuck? What doesn't even make sense? Like apparently Seattle has a giant statue of a troll somewhere in the city. Like they, this guy's supposed to be like the nephew or son or something of it. It it doesn't it makes about as much sense as our green fucking bee. I mean, we can't really throw stones when we live in a glass house over here when it comes to mascots, but this dude, motherfucker I'm, is hideous. First of all, from name to character, apple to cheese. Like, what the fuck is this? Like Oh my god. It's got a blue fucking nose. I bet you there's some damn sparkles all up in that hair. Jesus. Way to go, Seattle. Way to just really screw this. You could have done something really cool here. Had Davy Jones as your fucking mascot. Bro, you're you got, right. Like, you buy got one of those troll toys that people used to collect. Right, bro. Go buy the rights from Disney for fucking Davy Jones and make him your fucking mascot. This this mascot is a microcosm of Seattle. Ten percent. Yes, it is. It is. Um, let's get into the team, though, boys. And uh, the Seattle Kraken, man, last year did last sixty points. Good news is they brought in some good. You know, they brought in some pieces. You know, I, they they have the killer bees now, right? They brought in Bjorkstrand and Andre Burakovsky. I like both. Um, okay. They also brought in Martin Jones, Justin Schultz. Uh, Mike Kempney, and they were the beneficiaries of one of the weirdest draft scenarios we've ever seen. Shane Wright was the unanimous number one, and he goes forth to the Seattle Kraken. So they may have fell on a Hall of Famer, but there's a reason he fell to fourth. So it was just very bizarre on draft night when when he ended up going fourth. Would you agree with that one, Aaron? Yeah, I, I think they could not get up to the podium quick enough to draft this guy. <laughs> the guy that all hey everybody in Seattle. Look they looked got. around and they were like, "All right, they were they were like, where's Ashton, bro? Where's Ashton? Like, are we getting?" They said, here? "You all else have jobs as NHL GMs." <laughs> like, oh my god, it's it's great. So Shane Wright, ever since he was a little kid, man, has just been outed by everyone as, "Oh my god, this guy's insane. He does everything right." He had a little, yeah, right, no pun intended. He he had a little bit of a slump last year. Not even really a slump, you would say. He just didn't blow everybody out of the water the way that everyone expected. And Slavkovsky had a hell of an international tournament, and Montreal blew their load and was like, all right, let's go get him. 
It, we'll trade for Kirby Doc, who hasn't shown he can do anything yet. Let's go grab a winger for him to play with and pass on the center that we've wanted forever. Um, Shane Wright, I think, is set up with a team in Seattle that has another very good young center, Matty Beneers, and they've got some some draft capital. they got a lot of cap space. I think that this team did the opposite of what Vegas did. Rather than go for broke right away, they're like, we're going to build this thing the right way. We won't be great the first couple years, but we're going to be sustainably good down the we're going to be a powerhouse here in like three, four, five years. I, I'm with you there. Um, I think, I mean, they made some, they made some nice offensive moves. Um, I think they made some moves for guys that could be contract friendly for them and also be guys that can produce for them. Um, you know, guys like an Oliver Bjorkstrand, uh, who for many years here in Columbus was very cap friendly and, um, you know, decently high clip offensive player. Um, you pair him up with, you know, guys on offense, you know, other guys on offense like Yanni Gord, like Jordan Everly, like Jonas Donskoy, um, Ryan Donato, Burakovsky. I think you've got some really, you've got some younger, you've got some younger guys that can sustain you for quite a few years as you get better. Yeah, I, yeah, that's exactly what I was alluding to earlier when I mentioned that, you know, their this very bizarre expansion draft. Took a lot of defensemen, you know. It was just weird. I didn't I didn't get it at the time, but now I'm starting to see we have all these they were really active last year in trades too. Yeah, they were. They gave a lot of pieces away. I mean, fuck, Mark Giordano was their first captain and they gave him away the same year. So, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, they're just they're building for the future. They're they're I think their heads in the right place. Um, they saw the cap situation coming up here where all these good teams were going to be fighting it and they were able to weaponize that cap space and get people for, I mean, Oliver Bjorkstrand, this guy was coming up. He, he had a great contract for what he produced. He, every year he improved his goal scoring. He was really kind of finding his footing as the top guy. He's going to be even better in the years to come, and they got him for, what, a third and a fourth? I mean, that's the kind of move that sets you up for great future. Got him locked up. You bring in uh, Burakovsky. You're able to sign these players to their market value when no other team can. Exactly. Yeah, you're in a very advantageous position, and you can lock them up for, you know, the, the time that you need them and plus some for, you know, what can be cap friendly to you. Yeah. <laughs> and um, a cap friendly, great resource. What? Yeah, when, shout out cap friendly. It is a phenomenal resource. You're right, Aaron. Um, they lost Hayden Flurry and Riley Sheehan and Victor Rask. Everybody else is just kind of a, okay. My thing with this team is the injuries. This is where it gets interesting to me because Chris Drieger is out with the torn ACL until halfway through the 2023 portion of the season. So they brought in Philip Grubauer, who, eh, anybody high on Philip Grubauer? I am very high on him this season for a couple okay. of reasons. So, Philip Grubauer, let's go through his career. Uh, Washington, he wrestled the starting job from reigning elite goalie Braden Holtby 
the year the Holby Caps fell off a cliff. The Caps won the cup. So during the regular season, Philip Grubauer wins the starters role, starts a couple games against the Blue Jackets in the playoffs. Caps lose both games. Grubauer didn't play terrible. He didn't play great. Holby gets it back. They go on to win the cup. They ship him off to Colorado. They're in a cap crunch. Two seasons in Colorado. Philip Grubauer. 917 save percentage. 916 save percentage. Sorry, three seasons in Colorado. Last year, they win the cup. 922 save percentage. In all those seasons, he had positive goal saved above average. So they take all the averages of the shots that these goalies face. Average goaltender saves zero shots above average. Philip Grubauer was seven and a half goals over average, six and a half goals over average. Last year, 14 or two years ago, 14 and a half goals above average. Last year, he goes to Seattle in the expansion draft. Guy fell off an absolute cliff in his first season in Seattle. I don't know if it was the team around him. I don't know if it was relocating to a different market. I don't know what happened to him, but he comes in with an 889 save percentage, the lowest of his career by far, and he saved negative 25 Point four goals below average. Like, plug in a freaking sumo wrestler into the net. He's saving more goals than this guy. Seriously. I mean, this is a beautiful opportunity to look at a positive regression. Uh, you look at his whole career leading up until last year, everything was great until he went to Seattle, and this whole thing fell apart for him. So... I really am looking for a bounce back year for him. I think he can be a quality starter. He showed he could in Colorado and for a limited time in Washington. I think there's absolutely no way he can be anywhere close to as bad as he was last year. It's just not happening. So Is I he your X factor? Uh, you know, he's actually not. I, I think we kind of know what we're going to get from him. I think he bounces back. My X factor is actually going to be aforementioned Matty Beneers. Oh, I, I like that. This guy was their first ever draft pick. They took him in the first round. I think it was number two overall. And he got a very short stint in the NHL last season. Uh, ten games played, three goals, six assists for nine points. Yeah. It, he what is he, like 19? Right top six. Yeah, he's very, very young. He was 19 last season. He'll be coming into his 20-year-old age this year. I'm looking for big things from this guy. Mm-hmm. And with the uh, with the wing support that was brought in, uh, Bjorkstrand, Burakovsky, you still got Jordan Everly there. He's going to have some guys to play with, and he is going to light it up, boys. Boys, Ferda, Nate, who's your X-Factor? Mine's Grubauer, actually. Yeah, that's. Okay. I mean, Aaron. Aaron kind of stood on the soapbox for me and kind of rattled it off a little bit. It's all good, but uh, no, like I, I don't see Gru. I also don't see Grubauer, you know, hitting that downslope again this year. I see him bouncing right back up. Um, I think it's he's gonna. He's coming in with a chip on his shoulder. He knows how bad he was last year. Eighteen and thirty-one. Um, you know, the eight eighty-nine. That's got to kill. His first NHL season where his save percentage was not in the 90s. Like, that's got to, like, it's got to piss you off a little bit to make you want to make you come back. So, um, I think it's it's a make and it's a make or break it year, too, for him. 
So let's see how it goes. He's locked up for a long time, but even if they buy him out, he's set for life. Yeah, exactly. He might be locked up, but Aaron's bricked up talking about him. It, this guy, I am going to be very angry if he doesn't bounce back. I just staked like the biggest guarantee of my life on this man. And <laughs> if he doesn't perform, then I am down the toilet. You have to go confront. You have to go confront him if he doesn't. Like what the hell, man? Our podcast was taken off. I got discredited by your bitch ass. Come on. <laughs> I'm going Shane Wright. He's going to be one of the few guys that actually plays in the league this year out of his draft class, at least the whole year. So I'm going to go Shane Wright. Well, projected the whole year. We'll see how it goes. <clears throat> but I'm going to go Shane Wright. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so much hype around him. He's got to be my X factor. I'd be remiss not like to take him. they have a lot of big guys holding him down in the lineup either. I mean, he's going to get an opportunity. Yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll play in a first line with like Bjorkstrand and at some point, you know, he'll be out there. So. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Shaner. Shaner Wright. Can he prove it? Prove he should have been the number one overall pick. We'll see. But I have the crack at finishing dead last. I have very little faith in this in this team. I don't think they're ready. They're nowhere near competitive, meaningful hockey after Thanksgiving. Yeah. So that's my take. Uh, Let's go to Aaron. I got him seventh. I I think they're stronger than San Jose. They got. They got some young, hungry personnel. They got a lot better goaltending. I think they're going to have – I mean, uh, based on last year, no, but I, I think their goaltending bounces back. I, I think they're solid seventh. They're going to get a solid pick in this year's draft. Uh, they, they take a step forward, though, in my opinion. Nate, you are sitting there ready to pounce, my friend. I'm fucking – you're eyeballing it. You got the mic ready to go. Let's hear it, cowboy. Got these motherfuckers. Third in the division. What? Third what? Division. I see this division wide open for a taking, and the Kraken are just gonna sneak their way fucking in there. They're gonna be alive <laughs> by the time Grubauer, by the time Drieger comes back, he's gonna be ready to help out Grubauer, and they're gonna fucking lead this team into the playoffs. That's the nuttiest thing I've ever heard you say, Nate. Welcome to the fucking show. Wait, didn't you have fourth, Nate? What? Did you have fourth? I had the Oilers fourth. <laughs> really? Yeah. Dude, oh my, everybody yeah, in Alberta is going to be blowing Nate up on social media. Let's Who's this dumb fuck and who gave him a platform? Man, man fuck, fuck Leon Dreisaitl. Fuck then Connor McDavid. We got Shane Wright, who's never played an NHL game, going to lead us to... Nate, you're out of your fucking Yanni Gord there, bud. Oh, buddy, I'm way out there on a limb, but I'll take it. It's where I live, out on a limb. This is the most divided we've been on a team throughout these entire breakdowns. I know, right? This is the furthest apart we've ever been, and I love it. I think we had, I think we had to save the best for last, right? Nate, you are out of your Yanni Gord. You know what? I might be. I just might be. That's but entirely maybe, fine. Boys. But, hey, hey, but maybe I'm not. <laughs> but maybe I'm not. With that, with that hot take, gentlemen, we've been on here for almost 100 minutes. Do we wow. have any any other hockey-related news we want to touch on in this division before we... How did we, how did we talk the longest about probably the weakest division? 
Because uh, you know oh, what, man? Club, we're baby, just, this is an exciting division. There, there's a lot. We're vibing, dude. Here. Vibes are strong. We're carrying the Beerly Network right now. Those are not my words. Those are Trev's words. Oh, listening. Take that up with. Take it up with Trev. Take, take that up with Trev. The Beerly Hockey Boys are carrying the network. We are. We are the best Beerly Beerly podcast. It's a fact. It's data. We have data. Cold yeah. hard fucking facts and data. Because we got goals saved above average, man. Nobody else has that. You don't get that oh. shit in football. No way. We're drinking bourbon. We're living our fucking lives, boys. So they'll just about wrap up this episode of the Barely Hockey Podcast. I'm your boy, Phil Razor. For Nate McBride and Aaron Kinney, we're saying Barely Hockey. Pairs well with brews. Love a broadcast, boys.